0: If you just want to stand to your feet as we get ready, Eric, are you excited to be here? Yeah. Chamberlain, are you excited I'm to be so. here? Canyon, are you excited to be here? Amen. Johnny, we're excited. You know why? It's because God is still moving, that he is still doing mighty things. And so let's just praise the one who deserves all our glory. Amen. As
1: Take Ciao! Ch-
0: that we have a God who is the true champion, the one who can defeat any giant that you face, the one who can win every battle, the one who knows the game plan of the enemy, that is the God that we serve. I'm so glad that we can lean on to his strength and we don't have to try to do things on our own. And if you don't know him, I just encourage you to get on his side because he's got you. He first loved you. He loves you right now. He's been calling you. Let my Jesus become your Jesus, amen, because he loves us all the same. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It's a free gift. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.
1: say you.
2: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to have you here at church this morning. As y'all here, it's supposed to hit fifty degrees this week, but it's supposed to rain, so the world will turn from this into a muddy mess. Anyways which I'm sure it'll get cold after that, yes. Don't get too excited. But it's good to have you today. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's wonderful to see you, or something like that. And, and, and there ain't no lies there. It's all truth right there. It's good to see you, and we're glad you're here with us. Um, if, you, if you will, prepare your tithing offering, uh, offering envelopes and chairs in front of you. If not... Uh, wave your hand around, one of the ushers will help you out, and generally to give out prayer cards, but instead of giving out prayer cards, if you have a prayer need, if you notice on the walls all the uh, different uh, colored post-it notes, there are post-it notes up here on the corner of the platform, after service you can grab one and put a prayer need and put it on the wall, because we are still in 21 days of prayer, that's one more week this week, and each day we're praying over all those prayer needs and believing God is going to respond. How many know that God hears us? And he responds accordingly, does he not? So that's why we pray. So anyways, if if you have a prayer need, put that on the wall today before you leave, and we will be uh, interceding for those things over the course of this week. And then certainly after that, when 21 days of prayer are over, uh, Monday night prayers will kick back up next week, and uh, church-wide prayer that happens every Monday, so we'll keep praying over those prayer days. So your giving, uh, we thank you for your giving, your faithfulness, and everything you see that happens in the house, and everything we do outside of the church is, it happens because of your faithfulness, so we thank you for that. So let me pray over your giving. If you have something today, you can bring it down to these baskets up here on the platform. Lord, we thank you. I'd be able to come together, worship you today, and we continue in our worship, in our giving. Lord, we honor you, and we praise you with our money. Yeah, all the areas of our life are not outside of uh, the things that we turn over to you because you are the source in the first place. And we honor you with our tithe and our offering uh, because you are our provider. And and our giving is a reflection of the nature of our heart, that we have given all things to you. That includes what's in our checking account. And that includes what comes in uh, from the jobs that we work. And any kind of source of increase in our life, Lord, we honor that uh, to you. So we do that today in our giving. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. So if you have something, bring it on down. I do have a handful of announcements today, and of course, one big important announcement that we'll do at the very end. But don't forget, again, we are in a church-wide prayer uh, that ends this coming Saturday. So 21 days of prayer that started at the beginning of January will end this coming Saturday. So this week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, the church will be open 6 to 7 p.m., Saturday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. And then when 21 days of prayer are over this week, Then again, like I said, uh, Monday Churchwide prayer kicks back up on Monday, and that will be every Monday from 6 to 7 right here, and we're a praying church, we're a Pray First church, and I believe uh, that during these 21 days that God is listening and hearing and responding, so I encourage you to come out this week at some point during the week in the evening and join us for prayer as as we intercede, not only for the prayer requests that are on the wall, but there is a blue uh, piece of paper at the back. Uh, that has kind of a a prayer guide for things that we're getting on the same page and praying about as a church. So pick one of those up and and intercede over those things with us this week. Um, Also, next steps. So if, if you've been coming to church here and you're like, hey, I think I'd like to make this my church home. In other words, not only just be here, but now sort of get involved with the church. Next Steps is for you. That is Wednesday night, February the 7th, during church. So uh, while we're having church that Wednesday, you're going to be downstairs with my wife Margo and also Samara when she gets down there. And they're going to take you through Next Steps. It's just more information about the church, who we are, how we function, uh, how to get involved in small groups, how to get involved in dream teams, all the things that you see happen in church for from worship to kids' church, to greeters, to ushers, to everything. Those are dream teams, so if you want to get involved in church, please uh, come out to Next Steps. There's a sign-up sheet for that at the back, so get your name on that if you're interested in being there for that. Uh, Also, a couple more things, year-end giving statements. So if you gave uh, at all into the church in 2023, at the end of the year, they give a a year-end giving statement if you're interested in using that for your taxes. Um, Now, we started giving those out last week, but they made a mistake. And everybody's allowed to roll your eyes right now. (sighs) But what they did was, uh, the very last Sunday of 2023, which is the 31st uh, New Year's Eve, if you gave that day, it didn't end up on your giving statement. So they gave me all brand new ones. So we gave you one last week. Uh, please see margo again she's got the updated ones if you don't pick this up from her today or this coming wednesday they're going to get sent out in the mail after that so please see her today if you want it if not it'll come in the mail and last but not least before we talk about small groups love your marriage is coming up so we we not only want our marriages to be strong we also know on the other side of it the enemy would like nothing more than to break down our family life it starts with the marriage amen so, March the 1st from 6 to 9 p.m. It's a Friday night. We provide dinner. We provide childcare, And it's three hours of sessions of talking about how to strengthen your marriage and live your marriage as God intends it to be. Again, there's a sign-up sheet in the back for that, so please put your name on there for that. And I do need to know, because of the food that we order that night, I just want to make sure there is enough. So, uh, please uh, be there for that. Make plans to be with us every year that we do this. It's always a good time, and, and marriages are strengthened. Okay. Last but not least, let's talk about small groups. Small groups kick off in February, which is coming up really fast. And we have a handful of different small groups in our church that I want to let you know about today. I want to highlight them today and next Sunday. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the small group leaders. Those small group leaders are going to stand up on their feet where they're at at their seats. And then uh, after church, I'm going to ask all the small group leaders to come down front here by the platform. So if you have more questions about their small group or uh, just kind of want to say, hey, I want to be there, come down and, and let them know. So we'll start with what we call Joy Fellowship. That is Bill and Patsy. If you guys will stand up at your seat so everybody knows who you are. Joy Fellowship is for those that are kind of the seniors of our church, the older folks. But they always say anybody can come anyways. Uh, Joy Fellowship always meets... Uh, the fourth Sunday of each month at 5 p.m. They meet here at the church and they meet downstairs in the basement and sort of potluck. So bring some food out, uh, fellowship, eat some food. There's always some sort of a topic that they talk about at Joy Fellowship. So again, the fourth Sundays of the month, five o'clock here at the church. Also, I'm gonna highlight this. Bill is going to lead for me a Sunday morning small group that kicks off on February 11th. Now this particular small group has a sign-up sheet in the back, so please sign up for it. And he's going to lead a small group called Financial Purpose. That starts February the 11th at 9 a.m. I'm sorry, 9.15 to 9.50. 9.15 to 9.50, so 35 minutes, talking about finances. If you don't know about Bill, he's he's a money man. He's smart with money. He worked in banking industry. Everybody in the whole town knows him because he did that. So uh, he's going to lead a small group talking about Financial Purpose, February 11th, 9.15 and 9.50, they will also meet downstairs in uh, the back room in the basement, and that will run for about 10 weeks or so on Sunday mornings right in a row. So if you have questions about that, you can see Bill afterwards, but for that small group, again, there's a sign-up sheet at the back. Okay, thanks, Bill and Patsy. You can sit down. All right, another small group we have, and this is for uh, the ladies in the house, I'm going to announce this one because this leader is not here. She is on a boat on a cruise somewhere, which isn't nice to leave us all alone, which is Christine Costantino. Uh Christine's small group is four ladies. They meet the second Mondays of the month at 11 a.m. here at the church. And Samara, would you grab one of those books for me, please? Oh, her group, as well as the other ladies' small group, which we'll introduce in a minute, they're going to jump into uh, Priscilla Stryer, Armor of God. And it, it's four ladies, but it's walking through the Armor of God for your life. So it's curriculum for that. So uh, Christine, again, they meet the second Monday of the month at 11 a.m. here at the church. And we will roll into the other ladies' small group, which is uh, Samara and Tori. If you guys will stand up. Samara and Tori, they meet. Let's see. The first and third Thursday of each month at 7 p.m. right here at the church. And they also will be going through the Armor of God uh, curriculum that I just showed you there. So, first and third Thursdays are, are uh, Tori and Samara. And then there's a guys group that meets. That's Judah. Judah, if you'll stand up. They meet the fourth Friday of every month at 7 p.m. right here at the church. And do you have a subject you're kicking off with? Yeah. All right, good. Thank you, Judah. And one more small group this meeting is that is Margot's small group. And she's not calling it a small group, but I'm calling it one. So you can stand up like everybody else. You have to stand up. You're cold. Jumping jacks or something. Uh, that actually, they're, they're kicking theirs off this coming Saturday. So the last Saturday of each month, At 9 a.m., right here at the church. It's kind of ladies getting together with coffee and hanging out a little bit and chit chatting. So it's it's more of a fellowship based group. So the last Saturday every month, coffee and and fellowship. Now, the thing to know about that some weeks there's four Saturdays, and every once in a while you get a fifth Saturday. It's always the last Saturday. Okay, 9 a.m. right here at the church, coffee and whatnot together. So, thank you. So, uh, I know that was a lot. Back on the backboard back there, everything I just said is listed there. So, if you want to go back, take a picture of it and uh, put that in your phone so you know when they meet. But again, right after the church, all the small group leaders will be down here. So, if you have questions or whatever, come down and chat with them a minute before you head out today. All right. Small groups are important. Why? Uh, because of relationships, because of, of conversation, because there's a certain level of freedom that is found when you can talk and converse about the things of the faith. Amen? So I encourage you, please get involved in a small group, and uh, I believe God will use them to uh, impact our lives. All right, so if you have your Bibles, let's get into the Word today. Proverbs chapter number three and verse number five, we're going to read a couple verses out of Proverbs 3 in just a moment. I want to talk to you today, and and most likely next week also, something that's on my heart. You know, whenever I sit down and prayerfully and and, uh, think about what I'm going to share on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings, and, and there's things that are dropped in my heart, a lot of times we're planned out. I'm planned out Sundays and Wednesdays all the way through May right now. So we think about it, we pray about it, we plan it out. And sometimes when you get to putting messages together, sometimes it doesn't come just so easy. Sometimes you got to grind at it a little bit. But every now and then there's a message that just kind of comes from my heart and it, come, it comes out. Today is one of those messages. It didn't take long to get out what I wanted to share today because it's been something that I believe the Holy Spirit put in my heart because we have to at times step back and think about how the Christian life really applies to my everyday life. And I know, well, yeah, sure, we know that. But to live in a way that we actually live that way is a whole other thing. Have you ever seen something in the Bible that when you read it, you went wait a minute, I, I don't get that. Anybody ever ever find that? Or have you ever uh, saw something that God has done and you, I don't understand that? Or maybe it's a directive. Those who follow him, you are to do this. But that thing was just like, really? And, and you gotta, it wasn't just, okay, fine, and you didn't quite get it. Or maybe sometimes, it he shows up sometimes more this way, Something in scriptures that a follower of Jesus is directed not to do. And you go, what's the big deal? I don't understand. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I want to talk to you about those things today because I believe that we have to get to a place that we, kind of the wording of I want you to catch. We have to, in our hearts, begin to catch the why behind the what. The what is something God does or, or something that God asks. But if you don't get the why behind the what, sometimes we get hung up on the what. You see, what I'm getting at. See, Proverbs chapter 3 in verse number 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts and do not lean on your own understanding in all of your ways, everything, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. Now, let me ask you a question: How many of you have been following Jesus for some sort of length of time? How many of you, your life has been perfect since then? Yeah, no show right there. If I really ask you, how straight have your past been of life? You probably say, "Well, it's been a bumpy road, actually." Maybe some ups and downs. Maybe I've tripped and fell. Maybe it felt like I got knocked off the path. Maybe my elbows are skinned and bleeding and so are my knees. And what do you mean make my path straight? That, that doesn't quite line up with my experience of life. He's talking about the state of your heart. Not that if we acknowledge God in all of our ways and we trust him that life is perfect, but there is a way of being led everlasting that the proverb is getting at. And to trust God with all of your heart, in other words, acknowledge all your ways and give all your ways to him, is nice in theory, but the trusting of your heart takes something. And sometimes that is a growth into the why behind the what. Because the what isn't always easy. Doesn't always make sense. Sometimes the application of the what Takes some time, some things you gotta work through. So I wanna talk to you a bit today and probably next week about the why behind the what. See, it's hard to live by faith and not by sight when you're not growing in the why. We're called to live by faith. We're called to live not by sight, the things you see, but acknowledging his way. We're called to do that. You must do that. It is the Christian life. But yet, that does not mean that you never get a sense of the why that helps you in your what. So I'm going I'm to start right here. The first slide, Justice Fish. you'll throw that up. Throw it up for me. The heart of God is the why behind all that he does. I need you to catch that. The heart of God is the why behind all that he does. And you've got to get to this place where you are growing and catching the heart of God. See, it's not only the why behind the things that he does, it's the motivation for what he does. It's also the why behind what he asks of you. Also, the why behind when he says, also, don't do that. Don't participate in that. Everything of the what of following God traces back to the heart of God. The heart of God is the why. But I will tell you this. Let let me me dispel a couple uh, uh, rumors that aren't true. God is not an angry old man in the sky. He's not angry. He's just not sitting around. Maybe you confuse him with Zeus, he, with the, the, the thunderbolt, the lightning bolt, just waiting to just, just smash somebody who, who messes up or finds himself in sin. God's not an angry old man. Nor, nor is God sitting around super happy and, and delighted that there's this idea of people spending an eternity in hell and, and, and torment and judgment. That's also not who he is. That's not his greatest delight. Nor is God, the cosmic rulemaker, that just wants to steal your joy and your happiness and limit your freedoms. That's also not who God is. So you have to dispel this, he's angry, or he just loves people going to hell, or he's just this cosmic rulemaker that steals all your happiness and fun. That's not the heart of God. You see, the why behind the what kind of shows up in this, and we we know that Jesus says this when he says to pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow him, right? Then he makes a curious statement. If you want to gain life, if you want to gain true life, if you want to gain abundant life, if you want to gain life that God intends, yes, you have to lose your life. And in losing your life, you'll gain true life, that is the heart of God. The heart of God is for you to have abundant life. And He's not the angry old man in the sky. He wants abundant life. He, he does not desire people to go to an eternity in hell. He wants abundant life. He, he's not the cosmic rulemaker rule that takes all your freedoms. The heart of God is that you gain life by losing life, and that life is abundance and It's found in freedom from, from sin. So it's not about rules. It's about life that flows out of relationship with him. So when you give your life to him, now I say that very purposely because I think we messed this up. And have you ever heard somebody say, you need to pray a prayer and invite Jesus into your heart? Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard that? Nothing technically wrong with that, but I think it gets it wrong. I don't invite Jesus into my heart. I give my life to him. In other words, I think sometimes when we invite Jesus in, it's sort of like I get to do it on my terms then. No, no, no. We give our life to him, So now we're going to live life on his terms, right? But in giving your life to him, you give him your heart. In other words, the seed of who you are. But in turn, at that moment, you've got to start to grow into his heart, the why. Because so much of then following Jesus, living the Christian life is bound up in it flows from the heart of God. See, Isaiah chapter 55, verse number 9. If you want to turn there, go ahead. Great prophet Isaiah. He makes a statement here uh, that, that is so true, and I know you hear this quite a bit, but let me read this again. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, this is God talking, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when we understand that the ways of God and the thoughts of God are much higher than ours, understand that there is always room to grow in that. So in other words, the moment that you give your life to Jesus does not automatically mean you understand everything about the ways of God or the thoughts of God. In other words, you don't catch his heart entirely. You caught his heart in salvation but now there's room to grow. You see what I'm getting at? See, he is the author of life and creation. He is also the giver of new life that we find in him in salvation. And because of that, in his wisdom and his goodness, he is the one who defines what life is. So, so for instance, let me, let me just uh, see if I can maybe open up your thinking a little bit for a moment. For God so loved the world. John 3, 16, right? That is a glimpse at the heart of God. For God so loved the world, and then as it goes on to say, that he sent Jesus. Why? To save the world. So that none would perish, but have everlasting life with him. That's, a, that's a, a, a glimpse, a window into the heart of God. Why does God do what he does? Because God is love. Again, he's not the angry old man in the sky that's just just always upset about something. Right? God is love. That's a glimpse into his heart. So the things that he does and the things, listen, the things that he asks of you, both to do and not to do are rooted in his heart. God is love. So, so you think about some, maybe some different stories in the Bible. Let me just pull a couple out. Remember when Jesus was talking about dying on the cross, and Peter pulls him aside and said, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. Remember that? I don't think we should let this happen. And Jesus responds to him, calls him Satan, by the way. And what did he say? You do not have in mind the things of God. You have in mind the things of man. Peter, you haven't yet caught the heart of God. Pretty much what he said. See what I'm getting at? Uh, remember when James and John wanted to call down fire from heaven and burn up the Samaritan town because they wouldn't welcome them as they were passing through? Remember that story? And and by the way, Elijah did it. Why can't we do it? Kind of the attitude you catch there. And even in the King James says that Jesus rebuked James and John and actually said, you don't know what spirit you are of. They haven't caught the heart of God yet. Remember when Jesus was being arrested. Now the gospels tell this story, but only one gospel told you who it was. Remember, Jesus is being arrested, and somebody there pulled out a sword and cut off the ear of the servant, the high priest. Remember that? The Gospel of John. John says, It was Peter. Peter again. John outs Peter. Everybody else said it happened. John said it was Peter. And Jesus was like, Put your sword away. This is not what this is about. He actually heals the man, puts his ear back on. In essence, Jesus was saying to Peter, You haven't caught the heart of God yet. Listen to me. There are all sorts of people who are all sorts of zealous for God, but they haven't caught his heart. Zealousness without the heart of God leads into things that are not of God. You see what I'm saying? We must grow into learning the heart of God. Now, let me, let me tell you a couple of things, two or three things here before we talk more about that. Here's the first. If God said it, then he has said it. If he does it, then he has done it. If you see in the scriptures you're to do this, then we're to do it. If we see in the scriptures you're not to do it, then you're not to do it. The first step of everything is simple obedience. We must learn to obey. If you wait till you catch the heart of God before you obey, then you'll never do anything, mostly. That is the proverb, trust in the Lord. If you really believe he exists and you, and you at least know that he's love and everything that he desires comes out of his love, which is abundance of life, then we can trust enough to obey even if we're hung up on it a little bit. So the first thing is you must always simply obey, no matter what. You see what I'm getting at? Because what comes with that? It's often that we are in obedience before we start to catch the heart. It's often as you are on the road in obedience that the heart of God starts to kind of come a little bit and and, and make a little more sense and and you start to, to perceive things and understand things more. Obedience helps in your growth. That's part of living by faith and not by sight. I live by faith in him because he is my righteousness, but following him also takes faith. So don't think I'm saying, well, you got to catch the heart before you obey. I'm not saying that. Always obey. Because a lot of times catching the heart comes later. But here's what I do find. Here's what I do find. Is I have seen people walk away from the faith walk away from following Jesus because they get stuck on a certain what. They get stuck. And they're not willing to obey because they're stuck. Well, I've actually seen uh, also that people try to live within the Christian faith while not uh, submitting in obedience to a certain what in their life. And ultimately, that ends up in a little bit of a mess. Yeah, you, you know, you read the scriptures sometimes, you see something, and immediately you, you want to put a butt on the sentence. When the Bible says, forgive as the Lord forgave you, that's a big what. But you want to put a butt on the essence. But God, you don't understand. I get this is general, but you don't understand what happened to me. And we get hung up on it and we won't start to walk in obedience to go down that road of learning to forgive that specific person or situation you see what I'm getting at and we want to make excuse for what we see listen you got to stop making excuses the moment you make an excuse is the moment you will not trust and in turn obey Stop making excuses where you get hung up on the what. So here's what I want you to do. And this is the second slide. Justice, if you'll please throw it up. I want you to start to ask this question What is God's heart in this? This is one of the best questions that you can learn to ask. And you should ask it a lot. Have you ever been around a little toddler that asks like 400 questions every day? Listen, I know you love that kid with all your heart and soul. I know, but you just like to whip the duct tape out, you know what I'm saying? And take care of that business. Just give me 10 minutes of peace, please, for the sake of my soul. You know what I'm saying? I want to tell you something. You are never that little kid to God when you're asking this question. God, what is your heart in this? You'll never bug him too much with that question. And in fact, I encourage you to ask it all the time. One of the best questions you can ask. So before you ever dismiss something in the scriptures, before you ever think something is too hard, before you want to argue with God, ask the question God, what is your heart in this? I need your heart. So I'll I'll give you some examples. I wrote down just a handful. I didn't think too hard about this. Maybe I should have thought harder about it, but I didn't didn't think too hard. I just wrote some things down. The Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself. That's a what. You start asking the question, God, what's your heart in that? Why do you ask that? But then the test case of loving your neighbor is what? Jesus said, love your enemies. Okay, well, I guess I can love my neighbor, love my enemies. What are you talking about? Whoa, slow down. God, that's the what, but why? What's the heart of God in learning how to love your enemies? Back to what I said before. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's the what, that's hard. But why? What is the heart of God in that action. What's he getting at? Deny yourself and pick up your cross. That's the what. But what is the heart of God in that? Why does he ask it? When you see a list in the Bible like the fruit of the spirit, those, those fruit of growth in your life are not easy. There's kindness in there. If you didn't know that, kind. Be kind. You know the word gentle is in there. You got to learn to be Gentle. That's hard. That's the what. But God, what is your heart in being kind? What is your heart in being gentle? What's the heart of God? Sex outside of marriage is sin. That's the what. But what's the heart? Why, why God? What's your heart in that? Marriage is between a man and a woman. That's the heart of God. What's the heart there? That's just the what, but what's what's the heart? Why? Drunkenness is a sin. Don't make an idol out of your alcohol. That's the what. But why, God? What's your heart there? You see, see what I'm getting at? We go way down the line and think of a hundred different things we could talk about right now. You always step back. Whenever you see something, you go, wait a minute. Or you want to argue with it. Or you don't understand. You got to step back and say, okay, ask the question. What is your heart in this, God? Why are you asking this what? Why are you telling me to do this? Why are you telling me not to do this? And begin to grow in his heart. Don't be yoked together with an unbeliever. Control your tongue. Learn to be a giver. What what is the heart of God in these things? Why can't I look at porn? What's the heart of God? The heart of God is always abundant life and freedom. You deny yourself and pick up your cross because somewhere in there is connected to abundance of life. You don't get drunk because somewhere in there is connected to the abundance of life. You learn to be a giver because somewhere in there is connected to the abundance of life. God is not the cosmic rule maker trying to take all your freedom and fun, He's trying to bring you into life. So, what's the why behind the what? You have to ask the question. By the way, the world, non believers, will never ask that question. You get invited out Friday night to go out with some people, you know they're going to be drinking and you know they're going to start to get drunk. And you say, hey, I'm, I'm not going to go. Well, why not? Well, it's just because the Bible says. And they'll say, ah, old rules, ah. Follow that stuff, you have no fun, ah. You're never going to ask, but what's God's heart in not getting drunk? You see what I'm getting at? You can't expect them to understand is what I'm saying. You ever, you ever tell somebody it's not a Christian that you tithe? And you give 10% of your income as it first comes in, you tithe. And they're just like, what are you? Well, that's silly. And they'll probably, in their own mind, start making a mental math of how much you give every year to the church. Foolishness. Why would you foolishness? They won't ask, what's the heart of God in that? What's the heart of God in that? What? As you are a person of prayer, as you are a person of the word, as you are somebody who comes and you sit under teaching of some manner, we know the goal in that ultimately is growth in relationship with him. And as you're growing in relationship with him, you will grow into understanding his heart's. I'm convinced that we miss the heart of God and often the true nature of the kingdom of God because we're not relationally connecting to him. In other words, if you make the Bible and prayer and church, uh, again, part of the list of rules of your life, then you miss the heart of God because this is supposed to be about relationship, first and foremost. But what I do know is this also, that Growth in understanding the heart of God takes time. Which is why you hear terminology at this church like this. Listen, long-term discipleship. Because it takes long-term discipleship to grow in knowing the heart of God. I'll do things like this sometimes. And I always get quizzical looks. Somebody comes to me and they're struggling with a what in the Bible. And they come to me because they want me to tell them and give them an answer that answers their questions or, or what they're hung up on. or why do, I, why do I have to do that? Why can't I do that? And they, they're, they're hung up. And they want me to give them a golden nugget. And if I just give them a golden nugget, oh, it all makes sense now. And often it, it's not that way. It doesn't work that way. I'll do something like this. I'll tell you what. I'll even throw out a period of time. Why don't you every day for the next read the Sermon on the Mount? They want an answer, they they don't want a project. You know why I want you to do that? Spend time catching the heart of God. Because you can hear my answer and you probably still won't like it. Because my answer doesn't give you the heart of God. You get the heart of God because you're in relationship with him and growing. I can't do that for you. I'm not answering your question, but I want you to grow in long-term relationship. Because it's only now you discover the heart of God. And I'm going to tell you something. There are some things that you may be hung up on. It's going to take lengths of time before you start to catch his heart. Lengths of time. That's why obedience is necessary. That's why living by faith is necessary. There may be some things that you're hung up, you never really get an answer. But I'm going to tell you something. The more you catch the heart of God, you may not get your specific answer, but you'll understand better what's going on. I'm going to tell you something. The the one thing in the Bible, because of my personality, that I really struggled about was turn the other cheek. Someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn on the other also. I'm just like, no. You slap my face, you better duck. That's my attitude. Always my attitude. So I spent a year and a half on the Sermon on Mount, where that's located. 90% of those days reading Matthew chapter 5 through 7 to catch the heart of God about a what that I was hung up on. I'm going to tell you something. Spending time like that changed my heart. You see, I'm getting at But again, it takes time. Sometimes there's an experience of your life that opens up the heart of God. and Oh, man, that makes more sense now. But it always, listen, always takes time. Are you willing to walk the long road with him to understand his heart? That's a, that's a big question. Are you willing to do that, or do you have to have it now? Do you, you want to just shove it in a microwave, put it on two minutes, get it out? I'm ready to go. No, you can't microwave the kingdom of God. Cannot be done. Growth happens because of long-term walking with him and not just obeying but then catching his heart in the process. That's when change happens. Because what happens is when you're spending time with him like that, you see things that you were hung up on, you don't understand. Not only will will you start to catch his heart in a way that, uh, you know what, there's a bigger picture happening here and starting to to get in here more. But things that you thought were not attainable for you, all of a sudden you look at and say, that's actually attainable. So if you go back to the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let's say you struggle with self-control. You lash out in anger. And you've lashed out in anger so many times times you just go, that's just the way I am. You've been stuck in that spot so long that you don't see, you can't see the way out. You can't see the other side. Listen, the more you are willing to walk the long road with him, the more self-control will seem attainable. Because you start seeing a bigger picture of the heart of God and what the heart of God can do, and what the heart of God is about for you. Committing, committing long-term is the answer to living the Christian faith. That's why when you see in the Bible, Paul talks, he always talks about the, the race that you run, and the race that you run is never the 100-yard dash. Listen, it's probably happened many times in history, but the the thief on the cross with Jesus, he had a 100-yard dash. He met Jesus there. Jesus took him to paradise. Good for him. But since you're alive and breathing, you're running a marathon. You're running a marathon. Listen to me. I don't run marathons. Did you know the story of a marathon? You know why they run marathons? You know why it's 26.2 miles, whatever it is? I guess, look this up. This is going to be some, some bits and pieces. You can look up uh, get the full story. Apparently, in ancient Rome or Greece or somewhere, some dude ran that distance and he died. So they commemorated it by starting running races that long. Who would have thought, right? That killed him, so let's all do it, right? Um, I said, I don't run marathons, but I have run 5Ks, and I've run some things like, listen to me. It takes discipline to keep running, And the only reason I would run the Christian race is obedience to stay disciplined. You got to keep going. Listen to me. Even when you don't understand, even when you're hung up on something, even when it doesn't make sense by your worldly thinking, it doesn't make sense. Because the longer you run and the more you're connecting relationally, the more it will start to make sense. There, there, this to me. There was a time when something clicked in my brain, but it clicked in my heart. Oh, that's why I would turn the other cheek. It, it just some, some. It, it took time. It some. It just all of a sudden, just one day, it was like, oh, 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 okay. But it didn't happen overnight. This, it was a, it was a long walk, long journey. So are you willing to stay in it that long to start to see but staying obedience the whole time and live by faith the whole time? So I want you to put it at the top of the list, asking the question, God, what is your heart in this? And it's not just that unattainable things that you think are unattainable become attainable, but then all of a sudden there's a shift in your desire too. And that's big. Because like the turning your cheek thing, my desire was to hit you back. That was my desire. Now, I could start with obedience to say I won't, but ultimately it needs to get in my heart. Because it's kind of like Jesus said, look, We know adultery is bad, but even if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. The heart is the matter. That's the matter, the heart. It wasn't just that. well, I won't because the Bible says, but now there's a desire. I don't want to hit you back. There's a desire change. Now I'm starting to catch the heart of God at that point. It's not only attainable, but now I start to desire different things in my life. That's when your whole worldview starts to change. That's when perspective changes. That is when this is why God is asking us to live the way we're living in this world. But you got to start somewhere. It's got to start with, God, what's your heart in this? Ask it all of the time. And what will happen is, That question will drive you deeper into him. And that is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a life-giving thing. And it's in that, listen to me, in that, that you start to lose your life in order to gain life. You see? So, I would like kind of a a moment of, of commitment out of you today. And then we'll talk about this more again next week, I think. I want you to commit, now listen, the totality of your life to him today. And give the things over that you've been fighting with him about. The things that you have seen in the scriptures that you struggle with, the things you kind of hold back because you don't get it, you don't understand, commit. And I want you to do it in obedience because he is your Lord and your Savior, but he is your Lord, not just your Savior. In other words, I think we're all happy with Jesus saving us, but when he comes down and says, now I'm the Lord of your life and you have to do one of my terms," I'm going to go, wait a second. Whoa, hold on. Commit that he's the Lord of your life. Well, God, I don't want to do that. He's Lord of your life. I don't want to stop doing that. He is Lord of your life. And commit to him. But then in those specific areas, I want you to go on a journey. Say, okay, I'm committing, but what is your heart there? Can you show me? Can you teach me? Can you grow me? Help me here. And I believe that in time, and listen, in time, there'll be a, desire change that comes with his heart. Amen? So how about we do that today? Let's all stand up. So I'm going to ask two things today, then we'll close. Two things, and I'll let you go. The first has to do with that, what I just said. And the second has to do with maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. We want to take care of that too. Let's be honest. How many of you have some things in your life that kind of go with what I was talking about today? Anybody? Yeah. Struggles. Questions. How about this moment right now? Let's commit those things. And Lord, we, we bring these things to you. Nobody ever said the Christian life would be easy. Yes, you give us a burden that's easy, yoke as slight, but, Lord, following you in a lost world, sometimes it takes some things. Denying yourself isn't always a piece of cake. But, Lord, we commit today to that. Lord, as everybody in the room is giving back to you once again these things that are, are struggles, questions things they don't understand. I pray that you hear that. But Lord, we couple with it, but Lord, what's your heart? We want your heart. Show us your heart. And Lord, I, bring, I pray you begin to grow us. I pray you bring us deeper into you, where you have not been before. But Lord, we ask these questions with a lot of patience. Because your ways are higher and your thoughts are higher, so you're going to slowly bring us into these things. Lord, help us. We want your heart, we want to embody your heart. Help us. Now I pray, Lord, this is just a wonderful, wonderful journey that we have with you. It captured our curiosity and our imagination. What can things be like when we have the heart of God? Amen. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Now, if you're here today, Maybe your idea of God was He was just an angry man in the sky, or maybe maybe he's just a cosmic rulemaker that's making rules steal our fun or, or whatever. And may, maybe for some reason today you caught a glimpse that God is love. and actually he wants the best for me. And you've never given your life to him. You never asked for forgiveness of your sins, which we all need. You thought maybe life was best figuring it out on your own and, and doing the best that you can, and but maybe you're hearing that the best life is with God, because the best life is found in the abundance of life that He provides. Well, if that's you, I'm just going to ask. I'm asking everybody to close your eyes real quick, just, just to give you a moment of privacy. I'm not going to ask you to come down front. I'm, I'm going to watch who does raise your hand. I, I will come talk to you. But if that's you today, you want to give your life to Jesus, the giver of life. Raise your hand up real quick. Anybody? Okay, I see that one. Anybody else? You can put it down, thank you. Anybody else? Well, here's what we're going to do one hand went up, and we're going to pray a prayer together. And we'll all do this together for one person. That's just more than enough. Amen. How about y'all pray this? Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Forgive me today of all my sins. Amazingly, because I've asked, because I believe, you've done it. There is no sin. Too big, or done too many times, that you will not forgive. Thank you for forgiving me. I'm gonna try my best to live for you, but I can, because you're with me. Help me. Give me wisdom. Strengthen me. I'm going to live life for you, and I do it in your name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let's give him a hand this morning. Amen. Thank you. Well, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to have all the small group leaders come down here again, stand. That way, if you have questions for them, you can come. But be blessed as you go. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll see you Wednesday and next Sunday.